This episode of the Sales Leadership Podcast is brought to you by Sales Leadership United. Sales Leadership United is the world's largest collection of sales leadership assets. Sales leadership frameworks, mindset tools, skill set tools, performance coaching, sales leadership training tools, video insights with some of the world's most successful sales leaders, tools used by sales leaders to create massive impact in the current environment. So don't waste your time trying to reinvent sales leadership. Head to Sales Leadership United on Patreon and check out what the world's most complete collection of sales leadership assets can do for you. Every topic you'll ever need and the tools to help you accelerate your sales leadership career all in one place. Check out Sales Leadership United today. Hi, I'm Rob Jepson, and my mission is to help sales leaders everywhere create record-setting growth in the companies they lead. I'm here to share the secrets of the world's most successful sales leaders. I don't care how big the company or how big the team, we showcase sales leaders who are taking what the market gives and then some. We feature leaders of teams that are beating their markets, winning at crazy rates, and creating life-changing years for the people they lead. The Sales Leadership Podcast is brought to you by the Jepson Performance Group. We help sales leaders make how they lead their most defensible competitive advantage. It doesn't matter if you're a new manager, a first-time VP of sales, or a seasoned sales leadership executive. Tap into the power of coaching with people who have been there, done that. If you've ever wondered how other people with jobs similar to yours are addressing challenges you're facing now, reach out to the Jepson Performance Group and learn why sales leaders all around the world choose us as their performance partner. Now, get ready for some serious insights from sales leaders that are making it happen. And remember, don't worry, we got you. Welcome to the Sales Leadership Podcast, where high-growth sales leaders share high-growth practices and tactics. We continue to have some amazing guests join our show, and today is one I cannot wait to dive into. Donald Kelly is the founder and chief sales evangelist for The Sales Evangelist. Donald's exactly what he claims to be. He's an evangelist for sales, and he evangelizes effective ways for salespeople, sales leaders, and business owners to find more success and fulfillment in what they do. He works with sales teams worldwide with his motivational trainings, online courses, one-on-one coaching, workshops, and group seminars. Now, Donald's a highly sought-after speaker who's committed to helping the profession of sales. He hosts his own award-winning podcast that we'll talk about. He speaks at events and conferences everywhere. He was recently recognized as one of the top 2022 sales influencers for Salesforce. And Donald was also recently recognized as part of the inaugural Sales Insider Group for LinkedIn. It's a group of 22 professionals LinkedIn has identified as the top professionals worldwide dedicated to helping sellers improve their sales skills. So Donald's a big deal. We're excited to have him. He's got a book coming out we're going to talk about. There's so many things I can't wait to dive into, but most important to me. He's a fantastic sales leader. He works with other sales leaders worldwide. And you're going to find he's a really authentic human being that you're going to enjoy this conversation with. I've been working to get him on the show for a while. I'm pumped to have him today. Donald, I cannot wait to start this conversation. Welcome to the show and thanks for joining us. This is going to be fire, Rob. I'm excited to be here, man. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for the awesome uh, shout out there and uh, amazing introduction. So I'm pumped to be here. Thanks for being the dude worthy of it, man. I'm excited to get you. Like this is going to be a really great conversation. We we talked in preparation for our call today. We got some good stuff we're going to hit today. This is going to do a lot of good for a lot of people, and I'm grateful. Why don't we start before we dive in? Though, let's let you pick up where yeah. I left off. Tell us about your company. Tell us what you do for your customers. You know what led you to becoming such an you know such an, an important leader in the world of sales. I think the, I mean, I, I'm still working up towards that title, uh, but I would say that the thing that definitely made me get into what I'm doing right now is just, I grew up as a, as a kid in Jamaica trying to, you know, seeing everyone around me sell. I didn't know it was formally selling. I just saw it as being an entrepreneur businessman. Coming to the States, got adopted into that mentality and then uh, eventually went into B2B sales, did door to door and did some other type wow. of business consumer selling. Um, and it, it gave me a lot of knowledge and experience, but when I got into the B2B world, I saw that there was a huge difference, Rob, and that it, there was, uh, I didn't have a clear path and I was struggling. And I remember eating those Wendy's value dollar wrap menu food, and that's all I could afford at the time. And I was like, this sucks. Um, but I wanted to figure out a path. And fortunately I got some training that put me in a trajectory that 
it was like a hockey stick in my sales performance. So I really started just sharing this with people, anyone that would listen to me. And my friends was like, bro, you should consider doing a podcast. Um, and I started this, you know, experiment with this thing called podcasting back then. And it just kind of grew. And the clients that we serve, a lot of them are their sales teams and individual contributors as well that are trying to, two things we focus on, Rob, trying to help them build pipe and convert pipe. And I know it sounds very generic and basic, but building pipe is one of the most challenging part for sales professionals, like trying to get actual great deals in the process. So we teach them um, anything from, we spend a lot of time with top of the funnel activity with our LinkedIn program or outbound um, strategies or, or whatnot. We have courses that they go through and then individual contributors and teams will sometimes do group coaching with us and, uh, you know, other programs that we might assist with smaller teams, smaller companies have nothing in place. We have consultants that will kind of help uh, play with, uh, help them develop their, their sales play and their processes on that side. And that's fun as well. So it's a, it's a, it's a great gig and um, I'm enjoying it. So it hasn't gotten boring yet. So I'm keep on doing it. <laughs> well, you've been doing it for a while. If it was going to get boring, I would imagine it would have gotten boring by now. Right. And so, but I, right? you know, for those people, for those people that are in sales leadership United and they'll see some of the videos, they'll see like, you can't, I'm watching you as you talk about it, dude. Like you can't fake how like passionate you are for what you do. You can't fake that. And and, and it's obvious as you talk. And, and I love when I meet people like yourself that are passionate about trying to help elevate that profession. I think you and I are part of the world's greatest profession and all of our listeners, the, this world of sales Amen. when it's done right, you know, and, and uh, people like you, that are helping people do right. That that's, that's someone that we're excited to bring to the show. So, so thank you. Um, I love your story. That's awesome. I, I, I love, I, I relate to that. Hey man, I, I just don't want to eat this, uh, eat this happy meal or whatever. Yeah. I like that. You're right. And, <laughs> and, and for me, it was my version of that was, man, I was putting myself through college doing, you know, mm -hmm. construction type work. And I was like, I don't want to be sweaty like this. I want to be, I want, I don't want to like, I want to like, be more professional. I don't want to like be sanding yeah. for people all day long. I, I hated doing the prep work for other people all the time. I was so, I love like what we do as salespeople and, and I love it. So why don't we start, first of all, congratulations. You've had some really great recognitions. You know, your, your sales force recognized you as one of the top influencers. LinkedIn started this group of uh, the, the sales insider group. And you had the opportunity to get not just named to it, but you were sharing with me that you had like an, a kind of an initial meeting and they shared some interesting data with you. And yeah. I thought that that would be a really cool place to start for you to share some of that data, uh, in particular, like just how successful salespeople and sales orgs are around the world. Would you mind starting with some of that, like you shared with me, and we use that to kick off this conversation? Done. Um, so LinkedIn had they commissioned. I think this was from the Gartner study that they commissioned. Or, anyways, yeah. they uh, they had the data, um, and it said that sixty seven percent of sales team, sales leaders, or, or a sales organization, reported in July twenty twenty two. So just several months ago, sixty seven percent that they missed their target. Sixty seven percent of sales leaders reported that they missed their target in July twenty twenty two. And then here's some other things that tie back to that. And we can do some anecdotal uh, you know, breakdown and, and, and dissect this. But one of the other things that they, they noticed as well, since the pandemic, um, with some of the data and study that they have, email outreach has gone or increased by 50% since the pandemic. So since 2020, the, we are, we're seeing more email traffic go out than ever. And the reply rate has decreased by 30%. So think about before that, but then now even looking at it in this vein, we're seeing that all this, uh, the higher traffic, higher automation leading and even, uh, you know, leading to a, a lower response rate. So there's a lot to, to, to look at when it comes towards top of funnel and building pipe from both of those statistics. And I'm sure we'll, we'll break this down a little bit here. Well, that's, I want to make sure that we get that loud and clear. So I, I, I'm, I'm already half a page into my notes on this conversation. <laughs> um <laughs> 67% of teams missed through July. July, as July, the numbers that are reported in July, as of July, 2020, yeah. they, they, cool. were, they missed their target. And then email outreach is up 58%. 50%. 50%. And their reply rates are down a little over a third. 30% decrease yeah. in reply rates. 
So we're missing our number. And in response, we're pushing the more buttons, send more emails, make more calls, right? And, and, um, <laughs> and, and, and with this onslaught of more emails and calls, the bang for the buck, the response rates are coming down. And we got 45,000 listeners that are listening to you and me talk right now, my man. And they're probably going, amen, that's happening to me. I'm imagining that's happening. That's why I want to get that right. Like, did I restate that the right way? Did we put a label on that the right yes. way, brother? Yes, yes. Oh, bro, you got me excited now. I need to go get more water to get it started. <laughs> <laughs> this is, yes, you're you're 100% right on point with that. So before uh, we dive into, so for all of our listeners, we're going to talk about what we might do about it. But before we talk about what we might do about it, I want to ask you as a person that's in this inaugural group getting data that's really cool data to get, did that yeah. number of over 60% not hitting goal, did that surprise you? Because you work with teams I, everywhere. I, yeah. If you think about it, that's close to like 70%. I didn't think it was that bad. I really didn't think it was that bad. I, I knew, you know, obviously you, know, you find folks who are saying, yeah, they're, I mean, one of the teams that I work with right now, one of the organizations, they're in a MarTech world and uh, they, you know, do pretty darn decent work and they do decent numbers, but it just goes back to their team, looking at their team demographics. It's almost like that Pareto's law that we've seen and heard about for so often, but it was so darn true. Uh, I work with a team out of another MarTech company out of New York um, earlier last year and similar idea as well. So, but I, I guess I'm too, I'm the eternal optimist. So I figured maybe, you know, maybe like around 50% of teams are at least hitting their numbers, maybe 60, but I didn't think it was the flip-flop to that degree, at least that bad. Um, it's funny that you brought up Pareto. And for the, again, we got like a lot of people listening to us for people that don't know when I say Pareto or yeah. when Don says Pareto, we're talking about the 80, 20 rule. That was one of my notes that I was going to ask you, because that sounds awfully similar to the 80, 20 rule that teams are living off of the 20% of my reps that do 80% of my business or 20% of my mm -hmm. clients. that give me 80% of my revenue. Are you seeing yeah. the 80, 20 rule still alive and well in the work that you do? All day, all day. Um, I mean, all day. I mean, I, I'll even go back to, to, you know, some of the the, the individual coaching that we're doing too with, with folks. And when I get stats or they tell me stuff about their teams, it's just fascinating how that number is, if, even if it's not exactly 80, 20 is pretty darn it's close. close. Yeah. That's 70, 30, um, uh, that world. But here's the other part to that too. And I think there's a lot to go into this. Like they may not necessarily be hitting the numbers, but like sitting, hitting 70% or 75% of your numbers or 80%, that's still not hitting your numbers. I don't feel that most quota is that outrageous or that or that ridiculous that you're going to say that, you know, it's, it, it, you shouldn't be hitting that number. I mean, no team leader wants to fail because I mean, look at our position as, as sales leaders. I mean, you, it's hard at night when you're going to sleep and you're worried about the, you know, am, am I gonna, my team's going to hit their numbers? Am I going to hit my bonus? Am I going to be in trouble? I'm being a chopping blocks for next year. So no one is going to like give them their team just like this, this ridiculous number, knowing that it's going to make them fail. If anything, they'll cut that number back. So, that, you know, so they can help them. But the point though I'm trying to get at is that the teams are not hitting their numbers. And oftentimes the individuals are not in their numbers, they're compli complacent with it. And sometimes the leaders might say, yeah, you know, we got, we did hit our, Overall, you know, Joe and, and Mary brought us, they, they brought in a lion's share and they brought in these big deals and, and they brought us over the line. But Jake and Lisa and Jermaine, like, yeah, they got 70%, 60%. We got a lot of money, but that is still not enough. And I think we are complacent sometimes allowing people to do that. And we, I mean, if you go back to sports team, we talked about this too. One person, we talked about Kobe a little bit beforehand. Kobe wasn't yep. that individual. If you didn't shape up on a team, He's going to let you know, and you're not going to, you're going to, it's going to be a living hell for you because you're not playing at the caliber, which he knows you're supposed to play. And I think the same concept that applies. And until we can get that fixed, we're going to still see these dismal numbers. And especially going into our, a more tightening of the economy over the next year or two or whatnot, we're seeing so often that salespeople, the order takers are dying off. And then that's one of the biggest things I get from that data. Like you're, if you're, you're mm. sitting back waiting for people or just like, just, just you know, sending out garbage emails and hoping that that's going to give you the return. You need to get to the next level in your sales performance, and that's where top performers come in, and that's why they hit their numbers oftentimes. And they're the ones who are the deal creators rather than sitting back, create, looking, and waiting for opportunities to fall in their lap. Uh, I'll stop for a second there. No, this is good, dude. I like you're cooking with gas, man. Look at, I mean, you get that drink of water because I want you to keep going. <laughs> I, I want you to preach. This is a really important one because. Now we talked about the A20 rule. I, I'm glad to hear you say it was worse than you thought. Like, yeah, 
I, I see the same thing. I see a lot of, of leaders. Again, this is a sales leadership podcast. There's a lot of leaders that are relying on a couple of big players to keep delivering so they can hit their number. And I think we're in a world where people don't like doing giant deals like they used to. Like we're in a world where mm -hmm. people like being rainmaker dependent is a scary strategy in my mind, being mm -hmm. dependent on a rainmaker. And, and I look at it as we as sales leaders, instead of like having the response be more emails, 50% more emails with only like 30% lower response rates, instead of more activity, let's be like, there's a, there's, there's a restaurant here in Salt Lake city where I live in that's called Mobetas. So instead of being oh, more yeah. active, let's be Mobeta. Right. So that's what <laughs> I, I think we got to try and be is instead of how do we just our answer being more activities, more events, more emails, more, whatever as sales leaders, I love the idea of being inward and saying, how do we help them get Mobeta? Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. And so of that's course. what I wanted to talk to you about because that onslaught of emails, I don't think is going to help anybody. Mm -mm. When, and, and, I'm, go ahead. Robert. No, what are your thoughts? That's what I want to know is like, I'm really interested in your thoughts about how do we address this phenomenon that you just, you articulated it so well. Yeah. Fewer people making it more activities. Customers mm -hmm. are like feeling the heat coming from all these sellers that are, I loved how you call it. The, the order takers are dying off is what I wrote down. Yeah. And the deal creators are starting to thrive. And yeah. as a sales leader, as you're looking to 2023, as you're looking to try and finish 2022 strong, I would love to like, cause you've had a chance to think about this for a bit Ooh. because you're, you know, <laughs> let, let's start talking. What, what's a sales leader to do? Yeah. So here's the first part that I want to look at. You do want to go ahead and look at your team in three different areas. You got your, you know, your, your bottom of the, the rank folks, uh, your, your, your underperformers, um, you have your middle performers, and then you have your top performers. Okay. You don't want to just camp out on the varsity people alone. Like, and, and I, but you want to keep them going. And, and I see this sometimes in, in organizations where they abandon, they let the top performers just like say, go do your thing, but we got to keep them happy. We got to keep them going. We got to keep them producing and we got to, you know, it, but no two sellers are exactly the same, but there's still some clues though that they're leaving behind that's working for them. Still coach them, still work with them. I've worked with uh, organizations that I've seen top performers just felt like they, they got abandoned by the family. Like yeah. I did all this work over the past couple of years. I, I brought all this business in and now you guys leave me alone and don't give me, don't give me any attention. They like attention. We're salespeople. So give them some attention, make sure they're still good. Give them the tools that they need, help them to continue to succeed. Some organizations switch to the other side where they run to the back of the bus and say, we're going to help all of these people catch up to speed. But your next best area, the middle of the pack, like what is Jane doing in, uh, in, in Shanika that's keeping them in this position that they're you know, hitting 67%, 80% of their numbers? What can we do to get them to the top performer status? And that's where we want to probably spend the bulk of our time. And then your underperformers, I mean, obviously you can give them the performance plan and the right tools that's necessary, ensure that they have the things in place. But I have to, oftentimes I feel that no matter what you've given, if you've given someone everything and all things are created equal, something comes back down to that individual making the change rather than the organization bending and changing rules to be able to help that person. So give them the guidance and give them the coaching and the things that they need. But I think you're, we need to focus, understand where we are and where we're going to spend our time. So and that's the first part. The second part now, when it comes towards this idea of the, the content that you're sending out, you got to understand we are in an age in which that technology has came into has come into sales, and I'm grateful for Aaron Ross and, and predictable revenue and how they they helped us shape the game like what 20 years ago, 30 years ago with with this the process of delineation of roles. But we have technology that is helping us, but also we fall on as a crutch. And I think that's what made the email pro the challenge come in. I love my outreach, I love my sales loft, love Apollo. But now yep. what's happening? More and more companies are figuring out. Well, screw that. We can automate some of these emails and send some of the stuff out. And there's nothing wrong with a good automation sequence the issue is when you put crap in and you get you're going to get crap out in the back in a, in, a, in a long run and what's starting to happen is that more people just feel that i just need to put more and more in that sequence and if you have those underperformers and those people who are not quite doing so well they're not getting the proper messaging or structuring their, their emails right they, it's going to cause that perpetuate this issue over and over and over and over and over again and then come back to this idea again when it comes towards this uh the the content the same i, I love football 
Let's go. Just the other person. So you look at like the Dolphins here. Imagine if the Dolphins and the Jets are rivals. <laughs> Dolphins, okay. Jets, or Dolphins, Patriots. If we're running the same exact play throughout that whole game, that's going to be one boring game because, Rob, you're going to know exactly how to defend that, and I'm going to know exactly how to defend your game. But when we do our plays as sales teams and we run these motions, we're thinking we are so freaking unique with automating with, with the sales loft. This That sales leader on the other side, that marketing director getting this email doesn't know how this works. But they're running the same exact play internally in their organization. So they know that they're, you're going to send out the three emails and they know that the breakup email is going to come and they know some of those things. So what can we do at this point if all of those things stand same? If, if all those things are running the same exact thing, what can we do differently? And here's what it comes down to. There's this idea that LinkedIn is seen with the data. And this, I don't mean to be pushing so much stuff on LinkedIn here, but it's just the truth. Like the Let's go. They have. The concept now is that they're using deep sales and you have other companies out there that have intent-based solutions. About 50% of the decision makers in most organizations right now born at that 85, 84 um, range. They're millennials. They're like me. And we are in that, in, we're in that position where we can do a lot of some, a lot of those tasks, or we want to, we want you to be able to come. We don't want to be sold to essentially. We want people who can help us to solve problems. So you have a large portion of the workforce now who are in that pool with this mentality come with insights and don't come with that, you know, stuff that, you you know, grandpa taught us back in the 1940s when it comes towards selling. You can't do features benefit and expect that's going to grab people's attention anymore. So give them the opportunity latitude to be able to get the information that they need, but also come with insights. And this is a differentiator that most people are not paying attention to. Like, I, I, I mean, I, again, we know about it, but I think when, um, as a good sales, some definition, I had, I'll give a story the first, and this can give context. When I was Love it. first got into sales, I thought I watched the, the school, and I don't think they should have done this in high school, <laughs> looking back on it. They showed us Boiler Room. <laughs> boiler okay. Room is a movie. <laughs> and in I know it room, very well. I know it very well. <laughs> You got Vin Diesel and you got these guys just like hustling and like literally like, you know, Rob being con artists. In my mind, I thought these guys were great salespeople because they could convince you to do something that you didn't want to do. And if you think about it, that's not great salespeople. That's great con artists. Great sellers have an ability to be able to create opportunities, but great sellers don't necessarily have to sell they don't have to convince everybody to buy their stuff. They know who they focus on. They know a problem that they solve and they fix those things for individuals or for people. They empower people to make decisions on their own. They empower people to buy rather than forcing someone to buy. So let me back up now with understanding this. If I understand, if I'm a problem solver, if I'm a professional problem finder and know how to solve these problems, I could come to you with insights based on data, based on your performance, based on things that's going on in industry regarding your role and bring insights to the table that points out problem that you may not necessarily know about. Go back to football. I use this in our training. We call it the blind side challenge. People have other, other names for it, but the blind side challenge is like, if you think about a right-hand quarterback throwing down full feel, if you're, if you're a non-states person, quarterback is a person that throw the football in American football. But if this person is focused on right field and throwing the football down, you know, down, down the field, they're not necessarily seeing anything on the, coming back to them over on the left here, that blind side. Um, so they need somebody to protect that. The blind side challenge, if you a guard, if, if a guard's coming at him or you know somebody else is coming towards tackling that quarterback, he could see them. That's the problem. That's the known problem. That's the thing that I can that's captain obvious. Duh, I see this person coming. I'm gonna dodge and get out of the way. That's like you coming to me and say, Hey, I can help you save money and help you to perform better. Bro, I know that. I know I'm trying to figure that stuff out. But if you could come to me with something that I'm not even necessarily thinking about, something that's not common, something in my blind side that I'm not even paying attention to, and bring insights or data towards that, now you got my attention because you're just saving me problems that I didn't even know was a real problem in the first place. So, so something like this, for instance, I'm making something up here. So maybe there's a regulation change, regulatory change, or perhaps this trends that we're seeing right now when it comes towards finance, and you're bringing something to the table that I don't necessarily know that could impact my organization based on data that you're getting from some of your clients. That's something that's going to compel me to be able to be at, at least pay attention to you. And then also probably you trigger your activities. So now that I know this data, and also you're exuding some of the, uh, you're, 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 uh, 
you're behaving or showing some of these signs. Maybe you're trying to hire, or perhaps your team is growing. And some of the data point, the things that you're clicking on on LinkedIn, the posts that you're interacting with, LinkedIn gave me some insights. Coupled with the insights that I have from working with clients like you, I have a better chance of grabbing that you, that you, that millennial, that the stake, the those key decision makers on that committee, and be able to bring insights to the table that makes me stand out, rather than sending you a, a email email series trying to get you to a demo that you may not necessarily be interested in right now. Based on the data points in your activity, intent shows me that you may be interested. With my insights that I've gathered from working with people like you, now I bring problems to the table that you may not even realize regarding that intent that you're doing. And now there's a much better chance of me getting an email answer. You can't just get that in an email. You got to do phone. You got. I'll give you another quick example. I called somebody the other day, someone that, uh, and even if it's an inbound lead, Rob, I replied to the homeboy's email, no response. We called them, we sent a text message, and we connected with them on LinkedIn. It was a text message that dude responded back to that got his attention. So you got to be able to have the opportunity. You got to be able to take advantage of connecting with people the way that they want to be connected to. But you use these other platforms as advertisement. And for those who are order takers, they're just, they know the one trick pony. Send email yeah. sequence, send email sequence. I'll stop for a minute there because you got me excited. <laughs> no, I think this is really good. And I want to sit in this. We may not get out of this topic <clears throat> for the whole rest of it, because I think this is a big one. And maybe, maybe I'll be able to persuade you to come back for a round two early in 2023. <laughs> but I, I have this belief personally, and I think that you've just reinforced it. Like late 90s, early 2000s was like, it was like a process led sale. Um, mm -hmm. And then when Challenger came out, people started talking about the insight led sale a little bit. And then tech really in the 2010s to 2020s, it was about selling at scale through the some of the tools that you've talked about already. And I think now with all of those things kind of in the wheelhouse of so many people, it's what you just talked about. The impact of the coach. I want to come back to that for a second. You gave some really great stories. And again, I'm going to turn these into clips for Sales Leadership United. And, and we want people to be able to see the passion that you just like, because your words are one thing, but watching you deliver that was something that was awesome, dude. I'd have bought a ticket to see that. And um, <laughs> the impact of a coach. I believe that we're in an age where the impact of the coach is more than it's ever been because of the things you come talked on, about. Bro. There's so mm -hmm. many sellers. There's so many sequences. There's so many emails. There's so many options. Like there's tons of options, but the coach that can help a, a rep learn to do what you just said, mm -hmm. that's someone who's a, who's a game changer. Is that fair to yeah. say? It is totally. It is. It's, it's, it's almost like cheating when you think about it, Rob, because if I, I can, you, sometimes we can't tell the tree from the forest as an individual contributor. That's why I need my leader to be able to guide me. I remember when I was selling software, I was doing, there's a, a couple of us in the company, me and Lissette, and we started doing really well. And um, we, then our, our sales leader stopped doing coaching with us. And uh, it wasn't just us, it was just a whole organization because the company was growing a little bit, got a little bit busier. So it's not that I was a crappy seller and I needed yeah. my, you know, my, my boss to be able to just sit there with me. But when I sat down with Lori and she was, she ran way more motions than I did. She could hear some stuff and help me to do some strategic planning and say, Donald, you know, maybe you want to try this, try to bring this person in right now. Here's a step that I did when I worked with a deal that size before, or, you know, here, what's pushing you right now, Donald, get some accountability in place. Place. People will not do stuff unless they have a purpose. And if I'm making decent money, Rob, Ooh. and I'm doing and I'm being successful, it's like, you know, yeah, you know, I, I don't really have a much of a, a strong desire. Bills are paid, wife's happy, we could travel, we could go on vacation, and we are making you know change in a bank. But I want to perform, I want people who perform to the excellence capabilities. And that's where that accountability comes in. When you bring that accountability factor and you're saying, Donald, I know you're hitting your numbers, but I feel that you can do a lot better because of just who you are. Come on, that's all Lori needs to tell me. And I'm gonna get up and go make it happen. Somebody I look up to is in, you know, in, in not not blowing steam up me, but just challenging me to get even better, to perform to the excellent of my capabilities. There's power in that. And that's what we saw what happened with Lori over time. The data showed the sales team started to decline. And then even though the company may have been getting more opportunities, the deals were not closing as much. So then we started to flip that. So she started doing coaching again, and it was like a hockey stick. So coaching is 
I, I do it not because you know I'm pushing for Robin. You, you, you and I, we do this to get uh, you know for our business. But it's just a yeah. simple fact that it's just real. And if you look at like, I mean, even uh, last piece here, go back to sports. Like, um, you know, any major athlete like Brady, and you've seen this with LeBron, where he tried to do this at one point. LeBron became like the coach of Cleveland, pretty much, and you're trying to coach and play, and that didn't perform as well. You need to delineate those two roles so you can see it. Look at Steph Curry now, and look at what they're doing, Golden State. Steph, yeah, is a great player, but he also has that amazing coach that coached him, that focused on doing them the, those things. And uh, and some people might say, well, you know, do you need to be a great player in order to make a great coach? Look at MJ. No. And I've seen this in organizations where I've I, I remember I hired a speaking coach once, Robin. You know, her son told her, "It's like, man, Donald has won many more awards when I was doing Toastmasters. Why should he have you, you know, as a speaking coach? It seems like counterintuitive." But here's the thing. She could see stuff and understood part of the game that I didn't see because I was contributing. I was on a stage and I was performing, but she had different insights, the reaction of the audience, some of the best strategies, the the pitch, the volume, some of these things that I didn't pay attention to that she was able to then help me to coach me on those fine-tuned details. And I and the last thing with like, go uh, to, I'm a big, I'm a Jamaican. So, you know, big Jamaican. Let's go. Fun and I'm on. Yeah, man, you said Bolt. But here's the thing with Bolt. Um, I shared this recently. Bolt cannot, when he, at the height of his career, Bolt wasn't going to get two seconds or three seconds faster. There was no way. Bolt was going to get a fraction of a second faster. And that comes down from details, from coaching, from the, the things that you're eating, the, 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 the wind-resistant type clothing that you're wearing, the stance. Is it, does it make sense for you to pop up at, you know, at, in, at, uh, you know, at, 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 on a 16th step versus a 17th step? That's the detail. And that's where great coaches come in to help a sales team or help a sales organization to get from good to great. There's power in effective coaching. And I'll get off my soapbox here, but that that's how I feel. And so when it comes towards this messaging right now, like I, and I give it, this is not big shout. I'm just going to give a big shout out to Scott. Um, Scott Romney is a, he's one of my clients right now. Connect with him on LinkedIn. He's in a MarTech uh, game. And Scott started working with me. He worked with uh, several different other B2B sales um, physicians, did really well in his career. Scott hit me up and said, DK, you know, we're good friends. He's like, I want to do coaching. I'm like, all right. So we started coaching him, working with him four years ago. His mission was to be the number one seller in the organization and to be top. Um, he came up, came, you know, first year didn't look pretty. Second year didn't look all that great. Third year, Scott got number two. Fourth year, Scott's number one seller and also went, to, went into owner's club in his organization. Um, and he's humble and he doesn't take all this, you know, this stuff, but he he keeps, we keep going. And now he's getting leadership opportunity. And the point here that we went back to is that we just went and chopped wood. We just, cho- like uh, as uh, Floyd Mayweather said, we just chopped wood and focused on the fundamentals and mastered that. And I can't take credit for all of that because Scott's very intentional and he has amazing folks around him, mentors. And I'm grateful that I was able to work with him in this process and continue to work with him. But here's the other piece that Scott got to. He said, now, Donald, I want to strive for excellence in my performance. I want to be just so good in my in my capabilities. So your top performers, we want to go beyond money. We want to go beyond the, the earnings here. We want to go create an excellent atmosphere because what happens when you have excellence on your team Everybody else feels they have to rise to excellence capability. And that makes a huge difference with your middle of the pack and then also your bottom of the pack. People who can't ride with that, no offense, they'll find a place that best fits them. But the the people who will rise to it because they see this will come towards that. Um, and your top performers, when they're performing well, they left they lift the pack. I mean, they're not going to – I've seen great organization that they look back and see how they can help some of their teammates and they give insights and, and guidance. And now mom and dad, sales leaders don't have to do this alone. The team is able to do this because the culture on the team is that we are freaking excellent. All right. Oh. So listen, everything you just said – I, there, I want to go back. I want to get in our hot tub time machine and go back about three minutes ago. Okay. Let's go. <laughs> um, you just talked about Bolt. I love talking about Usain Bolt. Um, I have a yeah, picture man. that I use with a lot of people that I work with where it shows him in the 2016 Olympics when he won the triple triple, you know, three mm-hmm. gold medals and three different Olympic games. Never been done by a runner before. Had been done in other sports, but never running. Mm-hmm. And you probably know this story. He had been told, don't do the 100. Cause you can't beat Justin Gatlin from the USA. You can't beat him. He has the five <laughs> fastest last times you, you won't beat him. So pick a different, different one. He's like, nah, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it here. And what was interesting was he wins by 0.08 seconds. He does a 9.81 and Gatlin does a 9.89 and he ends up winning. My point for this, that I want our listeners, I want to go back to this. Cause I think this is a great way for us to finish. We only have like 13 minutes left and I want to dive into this <laughs> because this is massive sports. Yeah 
whether you, there's a lot of people tell me that I do too many sports analogies. I think that for sales, it's the perfect analogy because one yeah. person wins and everyone loses. What I loved about Bolt, he was 0.08 seconds faster, less than 1% faster than Gatlin, but he got millions of dollars in endorsements. He got 70% more prize money in that, in that um, Olympic games by being less than 1% better and in sales. So if we're going to address 67% not hitting their goal, if we're going to address double emails out there, we're going to address 30% down. How do we get better? It's the 1% improvement. Like we were talking about atomic habits, mm -hmm. teeny tiny in sales, teeny tiny improvements yield large results, disproportionate results. Because if you're 1% better than your competitor, you don't get 1% more revenue, Donald. You get 100% no of it. So if you can All find a way, time. find that 1% because it'll give you that. So that's what our leaders should be thinking about right now. If there's one thing you're thinking about, channel my man, Donald Kelly, because if you can find that insight, I think you're right. I think that's what it is. Bring insights, the blindside insights. I want to talk about that because I think that if you're going to be succeeding in this era of coach-led sales excellence, not process-led as much as it used to be, for sure not scale and automation as like it used to be, now it's going to be the golden age of coaching. We got to help people get more better, more better, okay? Mm -hmm. And okay. I think there's two things. There's two things we got to have. And I, I want you to share your, your thoughts on these two things. And again, I, if I wrote it down wrong, tell me because I don't want to misrepresent you. But the two words I wrote down, observations and perspective. And just like your reps need to bring, hey, and working with other sales leaders or working with other CFOs or working with other X, whatever the title is, there's three things we found. And that's the blindside perspective that you bring. I believe salespeople yeah. have a superpower in perspective that they have that clients may not have. As mm -hmm. a leader, we'd better create observe observational opportunities so they can do what you said. As I've watched you, I may not be the best salesperson. You talked about, I think her name was Lori. Lori at least Lori. watched you, like she watched mm -hmm. you. And because she watched you, she picked it up. I want to talk about observations first and perspective second. Like we're in a world where observations matter. And I think too many people think that the numbers, like the call list and all those things, I think people are different than just what the numbers show. Would you be willing to talk a little bit about what you think it means to be a good observer as a leader so you then can share perspective? Yeah, for sure. And I think it goes back to this notion of like, uh, let me give you what it's not. You, you, it's very Let's easy go. as a sales leader to get pulled into the reports, into the spreadsheets, into the meetings where you get it, where you forget the flock, um, so to speak. And you say, we have sales enablement. They're going to take care of them. Uh, but you need to make sure that your your team is squared away. There's a huge human element to this, this uh, the sales side that needs to be addressed. And I think go back to this idea of observation by me being able to be being observing you. And yes, I can take advantage of some tech that's going to give me some guidance. So, I mean, I can't listen to every sales call my seller make, but by me being able to at least listening to you, working with you, observing what you're doing and knowing what you're, know what you are as an individual, it's going to help me to be able to better connect with you and better help and assist you. So you got to be observant, not only of the individual's uh, sales performance, but also of the human behavior that's going on. I mean, go back to, you know, any of us, we have things that happen in our lives, whether it's like a sick relative or in Florida, we just had a hurricane. Think about the emotional strain that can have on people and so forth. But are you observant of some of these and think, are you just thinking what, you know, I'm sitting in uh, Boston and my sales team is down and my seller's down in Miami. He's doing good now. It, you know, hurricane's gone. No, five weeks after Fort Myers is the airport just open over there. So there's so many things that can be, you know, a little observant that you need to be aware of, but it gets hard to miss that. I mean, it's easy to miss that when you're focusing only on spreadsheet and what Salesforce data is putting, spitting back out to you or what you're crunching through your BI, you know, your, your data, your DI um, uh, analytics or, or whatnot. So we need to make sure we're observing and watching and being able to interact because there's stuff that can come from that. Um, and again, it, it's hard to do that at scale, but I would just tell you as a leader, you should not abandon, don't ever abandon the idea of 30 minutes with your rep once a month, at least. I would say go for an hour, but if you can get 30 minutes, depending on how big your team is. Um, and I'm not saying this is what VP of sales should be doing, but if you're the frontline leader, a manager or director, and you get an opportunity, depending on the size of your team, if you're working with those individual contributors, you need to make sure you're spending time with them. And I promise you, that's going to give you more dividend, more so than investing in any type of uh, extra software out there, um, you know, that than, than, than listening tools or whatnot. Um, but that's going to give them a way better. I'm so glad to hear you say that because there's a lot of leaders that say, oh, Rob, I'm so busy. I just don't have time to get, 
I say, how do you not have time for that? To me, observing is like, you can't coach if you don't observe. At least I don't think, I don't think you can coach unless you observe. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. No way. Because then go back to malpractice ideas there. Um, and, you, and so I want to go to the second word. Not right. And here's why, because just like your sales reps would be telling a prospect, we work with lots of people like you. Here's the blindside moment. Well, mm-hmm. doesn't a leader have to find the blind sides of their reps in the same way that a of rep course. has to find the blind side of a client? Of course. Imagine if if a leader comes to me and say, Donald, you know, um, you know, on the last call that you had, um, and you know, based on some of the, you, you can obviously you're going to have some signal. Like you know, if I see that Donald's you know, Donald demos are conversion rate from the demo to, you know, proposal are declining. Well, that's one thing. That's a signal. But then I go in and listen to, you know, you're not going to have a bunch of maybe uh, discover demo calls unless you get down deeper in the sales cycle. But I listen to two or three of them and I can hear some of the parts here that Donald's having a struggle with. Say, Donald, you do a great job of building rapport. You have an awesome capability of being able to explain our solution. Here's the challenge that I feel is that conversion. Let me show you this example, this little part here. And studies have proven that if you can fix, if you can blah, blah, blah. That's going to help your game. I want you to work on that. Or if I go with my coach and, you know, go, I'm love Florida, I'm at Florida and I, and I suck at golf, but I, and I go out there, but if I, you know, one of my buddies, we were on a, we were on a course the other day and he told me, you know, help me with a little piece of my game. He said, Donald, here you go. What I want you to do is try this. Um, I use one of his clubs and then I try this. Uh, it was, uh, it was like the, the bump and run, um, tried, uh, this pro the way that he, tr- he told me to do it. And it was amazing. Got up on the green, got out of the rough and used that strategy throughout the game. My performance improved significantly. It wasn't like 200. Now I got down to like 100. You know? <laughs> no. Let's go. It's like. A little tweak based on data or based on performance can help me. And um, and if you're a leader and you can provide those blind side things, things that I'm not worried about, because go back to the power of habits, we get into our habits as seller. This is the way that I've done it. And this is the way I make the calls. Give me something that may be blindside. You know, here's what the data is showing us, Donald. Here's what your data is showing us. Here's a suggestion that I would tell you to look at and try this. Let's test it out. So I want to ask you one more thing, and then we're going to have to wrap. And I want to give you a chance to let people Please. know how to get a hold of you and the book that you're. There's a lot of things I want to make sure we have time for. <clears throat> but like I said, we have we have forty five thousand people that are going to be listening to this conversation. All of them are looking at next year as man, you know, how do I do more with what I have? Like everyone's going to be asked to grow. There's a lot of reasons to believe that next year is going to have some challenges to it. Um, yeah. is there like one, like thing you'd say, listen, leaders, if there's one thing that, I, you know, think about this, like, I love the, the concept of be blindside protectors of your reps that, that might actually mm-hmm. end up being our, our title of this episode. I think that's a killer episode <laughs> title. Um, any thoughts, like, as you get ready to go into next year, I don't know if it's your mindset or what you prioritize, but is, is there like one thing to say, listen, as you get ready to go into next year, as a leader of a team, here's something that I really think you ought to be thinking about as you get going into next year. So it's not just an onslaught of the more button. Yeah. And I would say that go back to the mindset. I'm a big believer in mindset. We have a program called thought okay. patterns um, and we work, Love with, it. Uh, you know, work with um, sales leaders and sellers and help them with that. But here's a component that I see though. In 2020, we saw that the, some of the sales team is not that the sellers didn't know what to do. They didn't know why they weren't doing it. Um, so you got to get the mindset right and going into a strong, a, 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 a tight enough an economy, it's going to be, they, they need to do, they need to be in a right state of mind that there's opportunities everywhere, but you just got to create those opportunities because I don't care who it is, no matter what company it is. In 2008, people were still spending money. In 2020, people still were spending money. Why were they spending money? Because they still had problems. So help them to identify those problems. And it's not going to, they're going to be tighter with the purse, but they need to be able to know how to identify problems. So the biggest thing that I wanted to help my team is to change their mindset to know that there's opportunities everywhere. And they need to be professional problem finders and they need to be able to create those, help people to recognize problems they don't even see. That's the biggest component that I would, that I would want to focus on. And that's what I'm, even with my team, we cut down on our volumes as far as like, we call it meaningful outreach and then meaningful conversations. The two things that we judge with our BDRs. I want to see if they can give me some meaningful outreach activity. Tell me, don't just do an activity just to do it. Is this meaningful? Did it, is it going to give us Love somewhere? It. And then conversation is there a meaningful conversation you talk to people all the time but did you get something from that conversation that advanced the opportunity or potential of developing an opportunity and we judge those two things if we do that then the results come in the back end as a 
as a natural byproduct um, with our with our team. And then so the uh, last piece with that too, um, when it goes to you know what else am I helping them with? What else am I focusing on? I'm helping them to recognize they need to reckon, take advantage of market share. And I know that they're individual contributors, but here's what I'm going to share with you. More and more of their teams and the companies that they're going against, those competitors, they're going to run to the mountains and hide and protect themselves and try to create the inner barrier. Right now, if we go into a tightening of the economy and a big R word, if this is the case, this is where you need to push on the gas. If you're playing chicken with the economy right now, you need to push on the gas and don't quit because if you give up and you start retreating and go protect yourself, you're going to lose market share. So I want my salespeople to take advantage of their Love neighbor's it. lunch right now. So go out and get more market share. Let's go get out the gate and do, you know, do more of those effective outreach, but get to places, be a part of those conversations where you need to be lasting LinkedIn as posted, share this data, 2%. 2% of LinkedIn users post information or post uh, posts on mm. LinkedIn regularly. 2% of the 855 million users post, um, I think it's like once a month right now. So if you think about your sales professionals who are smart, who know this stuff, they don't, I'm not to expect them to write a, a major post, a blog post and, and, and to, to create like, a, you know, like a, a freaking like wow. thesis paper. All I want for them to do is to exemplify to the, you know, two or 3000 prospects that's following them, that they know their stuff, that they can share insight even if they took like the top 10 problems that their prospects or top 10 frequently asked questions that their prospect asked them especially right now and put those into posts you can have them record it on audio and get somebody in the philippines for goodness sakes to type that up but that's a post that exemplified their everywhere that this organization knows their stuff and this team can solve our problems they're sharing stuff that i didn't even think about i need to take that conversation when donald reaches out to me now money in the bank Take market share. Love it. Love it. Such good. I wish I had more time, brother, but I want to make, <laughs> I, I know that we, like we've come up on it. It went that fast, yeah. man. You are even better than I thought you'd be. We got a lot of people that are going to be interested in what, what Donald's all about, man. How do they, how do they get more of you? How do they hear your podcast? Tell us about your book that's coming out. Take a, a few minutes and just make sure that people get an understanding of, and we'll also put links in the show notes. Everything you talk about, will get, make it easy for them to find. Okay. Well, you can go to our, uh, I'm on every platform, Donald C. Kelly. So you can find me where if you want to just hang out and just have a chat. I'm uh, LinkedIn is where I spend a lot of my time. And then on a gram, um, I spend time there. So Donald C. Kelly, you can just find me there. If you're looking to learn and to get access to our content, um, even more so, just go to the salesevangelist.com. We have a resource tab and you can get access to some of our stuff there. And our podcast could be easily found there as well on the website, the Sales Evangelist Podcast. Any directory you go on, um, you can find it, uh, Spotify, Apple, Google, um, search for the sales evangelist and, and uh, check, the, check out the podcast. The book um, actually launched early this year is called Sell It Like a Mango and it goes tap into my roots um, from my Jamaican experience. Everyone is in Jamaica. I saw people selling. My coach helped me to write this book. Um, and I uh, see I have a coach for that too, a book coach, speaking coach, <laughs> business coach. I use all these coaches. Love you got to improve your game, man. But the book coach, he helped me to realize, Donald, tell me what's the story that you have? Because everybody has a, a sales, can write a sales book. And um, and I, I, it's not, I need to differentiate. So I told him about me trying to sell mango as a kid. He said, that's the story. And then we we're able to frame it, says it, uh, sell it like a mango, new seller's guide to closing more deals. Because so many people are selling the same exact type of mango in Jamaica when I was trying to sell this mango like it's not like the mango was coming from indonesia this mango was coming from like the same regions almost like the same trees same neighborhoods but what made one mango seller different from another wasn't a product it was the uh, it was the individual who created opportunities to sell that product to identify problems they found triggers they knew people were getting off at a bus stop at certain times of the day they were there with mangoes the mangoes were peeled they were giving like you know little messages and being entertaining and and dancing or whatnot they were grabbing people's attention and those people were the ones that tend to be a little more successful than me that pick mangoes and put them under on a table stand and hope people will buy it and i saw the same thing with b2b selling you know when i was selling software people were selling software just like i was or when i sold managed it services or whether it was like getting people to go to timeshare others were doing the same exact thing as well what made them more successful than others and we took 10 principles and broke that down so we sell it like a mango no matter what you sell so houses, awesome cars, software books training courses whatever you sell sell it like a mango you can find it on amazon wherever you go get books or you can um, you can go ahead and hit me up and we can get you a signed copy through that as well uh, well i i can't wait to get my hands on one i you got my attention that sounds like exactly the kind of book i want to get my hands on and and uh we'll we'll uh we'll look to talk about that maybe next time 
Don, I can't believe how fast time went. Uh, and I love your energy. I love your passion. <laughs> Mostly, I love your insight. Thank you for bringing stuff that sales leaders will use immediately to become more better. You know, okay. avoid just the more button, more impact, more success, more insight, more protection to the blind side. Everything except for just simply more activity. I love that attitude, brother. Um, thank you for sharing how to get a hold of you. Uh, do you have any like one last thought? I know we're out of time. We've gone long, but uh, they're going to thank me for it. One last thought for 45,000 people. Any, anything you want to finish with? Why not me? Over the next year, there's going to be your average seller, maybe they bring in like 10, 15, 20 deals, depends on how your, your size of your deal. But those companies are going to purchase or think about your market share. Those companies in your market share are going to purchase from someone. Why not you? Why not your seller? Why not your organization? Why not you be the number one company in your industry? It can happen. Somebody's going to do it next year. Let's make it happen. Why not you? And it's that why not me principle. So, All right. His name is Donald Kelly. <clears throat> He's helping salespeople and sales leaders protect blindsides all around the world, okay? <laughs> That's what he's helping them do. He's doing it in a way that you need to get more of. So if you haven't connected with him, do it. If you're not checking out his content, do it. You'll find out very quickly by why he's recognized by so many really great organizations like Salesforce and LinkedIn. And and, and by me, I, I'm grateful that you joined me today, Donald. Mm -hmm. I, I'm, I'm appreciative that you'd be here. Thanks for doing so much good for so many people. And as I say to everyone, my man, happy selling. Hey, appreciate it. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another So What portion of the Sales Leadership Podcast, where we break down that interview and we ask ourselves, why did that conversation even matter? But first, this podcast is brought to you by Sales Leadership United. Sales Leadership United is the largest collection of sales leadership assets in the world, period. Developing sales leadership assets is not easy. Companies go to great lengths to equip salespeople with the tools they need to win in their markets. But as sales leaders, we're often left on our own to equip ourselves with what we need if we're going to win in how we lead and develop our salespeople. And after a 20-year history of working exclusively with sales leaders, coaching and training sales leaders in over 1,000 companies, and then winning 18 American Business Awards for sales leadership, I've collected an arsenal of sales leadership tools you can tap into immediately. I'm talking about sales leadership frameworks, mindset tools, skill set development tools, Sales meetings, ideas that you can use immediately. Video insights from this and other episodes of the Sales Leadership Podcast. A private podcast for members only. Listen, my mission is to bring you the tools you need to help you get from where you are to where you want to be just faster than you thought possible. I want you to think of Sales Leadership United as a Home Depot for sales leaders with all the sales leadership assets you need tagged and organized by topic to help fuel your sales leadership journey. New materials added every single week to ensure you stay current and become an elite sales leader and stay that way. So give yourself the gift of perspective and access to the tools used by some of the world's most successful sales leaders. Invest in yourself. You're worth it. Use the link in the show notes and head over to Patreon and check out Sales Leadership United today. Now, Don's one of LinkedIn and Salesforce's go-to thought leaders for a reason. I love that he was able to bring us some really recent and really fresh insights, and more important, what we can do about it as sales leaders. As I went back and I listened to this episode and this conversation I had with Don, it's clear to me that great coaching and great leadership will always start with our mindset. Because what you think about will always, always, always drive what you do. So when Don went to the concept of leaders needing to protect their reps' blindsides, Man, that was an awesome insight. It was an awesome concept. And I really like the idea of us as leaders having this mindset and this responsibility to bring things to them that they may not be thinking about or seeing or, or even considering yet. Because Don made a really important point that reflects not only how your prospects will buy, because yes, it, talk, it, it is reflected in how your prospects buy, but it also reflects how your reps will respond to you. When he said, people simply aren't going to make changes without a purpose. I, and I circled that word and I put exclamation points by it, purpose. I spent a lot of time thinking about purpose after this, this conversation. I love the word purpose. Great leaders they help those they lead act with purpose. They don't just create robots. They don't just get them to stick to the script or do a standard work ethic. 
they help them act with purpose. I love that word purpose because when you do that, you help somebody become more. And just like your reps need to be bringing problems to the table that matter to those people they sell to, we as sales leaders need to bring problems to the table that matter to our reps. I want you to think, what are, like, go through, do an audit on each of the members of the team that you lead. What is a problem you're bringing to the table that you can help them with? What is an area where you're helping them create more purpose? Um, if you're not, you can do that. It's not that big a change. And if you're intentional about it, you can do it. It just takes you having that mindset of this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Because great leaders, the reason they help them lead, the, the, the people they lead act with purpose, is it helps them become, it helps them become more. And, and if you can do that and you can bring those problems, that's compelling. And, and if you want to be that kind of leader, then we got to go to work Don talked about next. You've got to be willing to prioritize how you create moments of observation. Keenum calls them observational moments. I like it. I, I wish I could call it that, but he got it first. Uh, th these observational moments, these moments where you get to watch what's going on, that's the difference maker, okay? Um, I was working with a couple different sales leaders today, and, and, and interestingly, I brought this observational moment thing up because I was working on producing this episode. I had it on my mind. And it was interesting when I pressed them on it a little bit on how they prioritize how they create these observational moments. They really weren't prioritizing it. It was almost like transactional. If they ask for help, I'll do it. Or every now and then, you know, there's a deal that makes sense. But it wasn't a key part of my leadership game is I need to always be having moments of observation. And so neither of these two that I'm thinking of were creating enough moments of observation. And if you don't create enough moments of observation, it's really hard for your reps to take you seriously if they don't see you watching them do their thing because the world of sales continues to change really, really fast. Now, this is a big deal. Um, your competency matters a bunch in how much your team is going to trust you. I hear a lot of people telling me that those in leadership chairs too often just don't get it. Sales leaders will say it about the CRO or the CEO. They just don't get it. They aren't out there. Well, don't let your reps be saying that about you. That's exactly why you need to be out and about. I don't care if it's on live calls or on voice calls or on video calls. I don't care. You just need to be making it a point to continue to see and hear what the customers we sell to are saying, doing, and maybe most important, how they respond. But if you don't observe, you never will be able to share perspective. This is the only way that they're going to believe that you see them. They're used to having you see their production. They're used to having you focus on their activities and their metrics and their KPIs. But you've got to see beyond the numbers. You've got to see beyond the dollars. And that's something that you're going to have to prioritize. And if you prioritize them, then they can start to prioritize your message. That's really important. If you don't prioritize them, they're going to have a hard time prioritizing your message. And so this week, my challenge to you is to, is to prioritize how you create these opportunities to observe. Observe. Take notes. Let them see you taking it in. And then, and I think only then, do you have the opportunity or the right to share your perspective. And perspective that you have and that you obtain by, by working with all the different reps on your team, that's a massively insane asset. That's something that makes you ridiculously important to their development. And if you don't see what they're doing, and if you can't compare that to what the best and the worst and the average are doing, then you're going to have a hard time being an elite sales leader. The best, the most elite leaders, and the best and the most elite coaches, they always prioritize observation. It is always there. And with that, that observation, then they can start to protect the blind side. So I want you to be a blind side blocker. I want you to be someone that's doing blind side work. And the only way you're going to do that is if you are observing first. So make this a week where you start to prioritize that. If you want someone to talk to you, reach out to Don. If you want someone to talk to you, reach out to me. Either one of us would love to talk to you about how you protect that blind side. I've learned that the only way your reps really believe that you got them is if they see you allocating your most precious resource for them. And that, yeah, you guessed it. That's your time. So make sure that you're making time to watch them. Make sure you're making time to work with them. Make time to share with them. But make time so they have reason to believe that you really have their best interests in mind. And more important, 
they can believe that your perspective that can help them see things that they simply don't have the perspective to see themselves. So Donald, my man, thank you so much for joining me. Your insights are fresh. Your suggestions are fantastic. I love how you're quick to point out that the answer in sales is not to continue the onslaught of activities, but instead it's to find something different. It isn't more dials or more emails or more events. Instead, it's been more better. And I love the sound of that, more better. Make this a week of being more better. And the first step for you is to connect to Don. Follow him. Check out what he's doing at the Sales Evangelist. Watch what he shares as he works with some elite groups of influencers and helps members of the sales leadership community continue to intentionally raise their game. Make sure you follow his work and take his insights to members of your team. And then... Be intentional about how you observe. Be intentional about how you coach. And only then will you be intentional and have the ability to truly protect the blind sides of your reps. So, Donald, I appreciate you. Thank you for giving us an hour of your time. This was a fantastic conversation, and you did a lot of good for a lot of leaders today. Finally, thanks to each of you, our listeners. We're going to crack the 50000 a month mark this month, it looks like. I am grateful to each one of you. If you liked this episode, please give us one of those five-star reviews. It goes a long way in helping me get the best guests in the world on our show. You know, many of you have asked how you can support the show. You can do it two ways. The first is to go to Sales Leadership United. For the cost of lunch, you can make an investment in yourself that will be a game changer. I promise you, it's worth at least checking out. But the easiest way you can support us is to just share this episode with your friends and colleagues. Mention it in social. Share the show with someone who needs to hear it. And then be elite. Live strong. Chase your passions. And whatever you do, don't worry. Just execute. Because we got you. Thank you so much for joining the Sales Leadership Podcast, the award-winning sales leadership podcast for those sales leaders looking to create legendary impact to those they lead. The greatest compliment you can give is to share this show and any of your favorite episodes with your fellow sales leaders, social media followers, or other communities you're part of. The Sales Leadership Podcast is brought to you by the Jepson Performance Group. If you want to discuss any of the topics discussed on the show, want to level up your leadership impact, discuss executive coaching services, or even include me at an upcoming event, hit me up at rob at jetpg.com. That's rob at jeppg.com. And to those of you working to become a legendary sales leader, I salute you and wish you much success on your journey. Whenever you need someone in your corner, you know where to find me.